reading today, it is the epistle from Peter. It comes out of 1 Peter, the first chapter, and it says 3 through 9. But I'm going to start just above that in his greeting because I think it is so beautiful. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, writes, Who have been chosen and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in abundance. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has been given, we have been given a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into the inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith be more precious than gold, Though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Joy is sometimes hard to come by. We wonder about it. We ponder about it. But I ponder about a lot of things that I see in this world that don't always make sense to me. The little things. I ponder why in the world would you put a setting on the toaster that would deliberately burn the toast? <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? I know y'all that are of a certain age have pondered also why if the professor could build a radio out of coconuts, he could not fix the SSS minnow. <laughs> I ponder those things. I, every day almost, have to encounter the roundabout on Highland Road. Do you ponder why we have those? I do. I remember the first one that was in Harrison County. Do you know who had the first wreck on it? The highway patrolman. <laughs> Maybe that works over in Europe where they're on the wrong side of the road to begin with and they're driving on the wrong side of the car, maybe that's what it was designed for, but if you do that roundabout, you notice nobody stays in their lane. Why are there two lanes? I was behind a uh, young lady just last week and at every road she stopped. I'm going, there's not a stop sign. You know, I just ponder, why do we have these things? But there is a lot to ponder in our lives that we are never going to have the answer. 
But there are other things, questions, that are much more serious, that confuse us as humans. And one of those is where do we find joy? You know, we look for joy in so many of the wrong things. Some of us look for joy in how many children we have and our grandchildren. We look to joy from our job. We look for joy through our friendships. But still it seems joy is elusive for us. And so on this morning we come into a place to celebrate Christ. And we did that just a week ago. Let's hang on to that as we should. Let's celebrate his victory over death. You know, our headlines today are so full of that. And I thought when I was writing this sermon in the airport, I thought, here we are talking about joy. That's what Peter was saying. And how quickly we have forgotten what happens in the headlines, the sadness, the chaos. How did the people in Nashville celebrate joy on Easter? How did those six families, those affected by that shooting, celebrate joy? I guarantee you, as Christian believers, <coughs> they still have hope. They still have joy, no matter how difficult it is to find. You know, some of us some of you give up on joy. Some people can point to each day in their lives and only tell you the stories of the stress, the sorrow, and the pain. How just one unjoyful situation seems to bring on another one, and that's how they continually sit in their life. They can't remember a time in their past lives that they felt joy, real joy in the purest form. Joy, for some, can be a hard thing to come by. You know, the Bible talks a lot about joy. It says we are supposed to be joyful. Joy, actually, if you look in the dictionary, is a verb. A noun, excuse me. Joy is the noun. Do you know what the verb form of that is? They say the verb form is rejoice. We should be rejoicing. We should be joyful. We are called to a life of joy by the simple fact that we are believers, that we are Christians. I went to Strong's Concordance when I got home last night. And it says that it, there, the word joy, its derivatives appear almost 500 times in Scripture. Moses talked about joy. We know David wrote about joy. The prophets 
predicted joy. Jesus proclaimed joy. His disciples taught joy. There was a very, um, who thought he was a very clever man, asked the Lord one day, he said, Lord, what is a million years to you? The Lord said, well, a million years to me is just a second. The man said, okay, I got him now. He said, Lord, what is a million dollars to you? He said, well, you know, a million dollars to me is just a penny. So the man asked, Lord, would you give me one of your pennies? <laughs> so joy is just a point of view for us. It's interesting to note, although we are not Catholics, I, I, in researching this, I found um, what John Paul II wrote, the last one of the last notes he scribbled as he was dying and knew he was dying. What he wrote was, be of good cheer. And when his death was announced, those many who were in the square and on the steps of the cathedral began to clap at the knowledge that he had now gone to live that eternal life. There's a little bit of joy there. Well, there's a lot of joy there. They got it. But isn't that the message of our scripture today, really, if you read it? The Bible says, be a joyful people, even in the midst of all that happens around this. But is that possible? Is that really possible? Look at the Psalms. There's a number of psalms that refer to that. I'm going to read a couple. In 19, it says, The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. 28 says, My heart leaps for joy, and I will give him thanks in song. 47 says, Clap you hands, all you nations, shout to the God with joy. 4071 says, My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you. 96, Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. This one I know y'all know. 118, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. 199 entries are there for joy, joy, joyful, joyfully, joyfulness. 284 entries for rejoice, rejoiced, rejoices, rejoiceth, rejoicing. 15 entries for enjoy, enjoyed. The scripture today speaks of Peter's, and in one translation it uses the word inexpressible joy. If you had asked Peter, should we have joy? Should we be joyful? There is no doubt that Peter would have said yes. Mm -hmm. 
The scholars tell us that when Peter wrote this, he is sitting in Rome just before Paul arrives on his fourth missionary journey. This is 30 or so years after he witnessed the resurrection of Christ. Peter is writing this spirit-inspired letter that is dealing, really, if you read the whole thing, with Christian persecution and suffering. But he's still saying joy. He is continually lifted up as Christ is his example. Christ's example of a sinless life. Christ's example of his endurance of suffering beyond all limits. Of his unwavering commitment to truth. Christ offers us the greatest example. So it comes as no surprise that Peter started his letter with a spirit of joy, an inexpressible joy. And it comes from God's promises, and it comes for us through our acceptance of God's promises. Joy. My twins, I call them my twins, they're my grandchildren. William and Lillian. Um, I always, my son Luke calls me a lot of times when he's taking them um, up to the Waffle House in front of Diamond Head, and you can hear them, they are just squealing because they are going to have a gourmet meal, which consists of a chocolate chip waffle. They are joy filled children. They get it. In their simplest form, they get it. We should have joy like that. We should have that gourmet meal of joy, even if we're on a stranded island of discomfort, on a stranded island of disbelief, on a stranded island of struggles and pain. You are still offered the gourmet meal of joy. We have that because as Christians we have a promise. And it's a promise that no one else can climb. Only the believer, only the Christian. And it's a promise that is reserved for you as a child of God. It is a promise that is incorruptible, unspoiled, and eternal. It's God's promise, and it's very simple. It is a living hope, an unfading covenant of the salvation to those who hear God's voice and then decide to follow it. When a human being accepts that promise and focuses on that promise, something very miraculous occurs. Peter said it to us. Though now you do not see him, do not see him, yet believing, what do we do? We rejoice 
with joy, an inexpressible joy, and we are full of glory. That is God's promise. That is what we celebrated last Sunday. We heard Mary Magdalene say it. I now know everything you said is true. How joyful can you not be in that knowledge? Rejoicing can not only come once a year, I guess maybe some rejoice on Christmas too, but we are called to live in a life of joy. Live rejoicing. Our worship should be joyful. Even in times of sorrow, we have reason for joy. Because he lives. That is our promise of hope given to each one of us. God's child. So I ask that you live in joy and we stand and sing. <clears throat>